bring strangers together to ask the question what is your biggest fear if this is your first time listening welcome thank you for joining us um if you would like to check out previous episodes we have had some brilliant guests including 2fm's tara stewart girl cruise elva carrie we've had comedian marcus alera and podcasting legend taz Kelleher. she is really really scared of belly buttons that is a very good listen. Episode one, if you haven't heard it already. Um, we had Today FM and TV3 star Mwiran O'Connell, the hilarious Anna Jacob of Sing Along Social, superstar DJ Kellyanne Byrne and soul singer and bark frontwoman Jess Cav. So what you should actually do is just subscribe on iTunes or whatever your chosen platform is and then you won't ever have to miss an episode ever again. It'll just slide on in to your queue you won't have to do anything I get to feel validated you get a good listen I might even get a sponsor for the podcast Alison Spittle has one for hers now so I want one too so this is the first episode that we've done from the Headstuff Studios. We had been doing some live shows um, with a live audience and we will be doing them again over the summer. But this is our first one from the studio. So pressure off because for me, um, coming from a radio background, I'm used to sitting in the studio by myself or with one or two people. So um, I think my anxiety levels are going to drop down. I love doing the live shows. They're really, really fun, but it's going to be nice to be in a studio. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to be joined by two brilliant panelists as always. Um, so yeah, here we go. Okay, so I'm here in the beautiful Headstuff Studios with um, two wonderful, wonderful guests. Um, we've just been um, rehearsing a possible side career in infomercial presenting that we will tell you about in a minute. But first, um, maybe I will introduce them. First off, we have photographer, buzzer, creator of the 365 Project, all-round legend, Miss Ruth Medjbear. Oh, I need to live up to that intro. Holy. <laughs> oh, my God. Buzzer. You, yeah. you are a total you buzzer. You are queen buzzer, though. Uh, we also have another buzzer in the studio, um, journalist, broadcaster, author, and um, best-selling co-writer of, oh, my God, what a complete Ashling, Miss Emer McElysis. Thank you. <laughs> Most proud of the buzzer mention there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Um, so, ladies, thank you so much. Um, for coming into the studio today to answer the question, what is your biggest fear? Um, but also just talk. I just thought of my biggest fear there. And oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so myself and Emer were just having a little WhatsApp conversation about this yesterday and I was um, just kind of asking her questions because I was really interested and she got very upset. <laughs> Very, very upset. I feel like you knew what you were doing asking those questions. I know, it was, it was genuine. Mm. I'm just very passionate about the bean volcano. Okay, okay. So yeah, um, what are we going to do now? So we, just in case anyone is listening, um, because we all work in creative industries and we could all do with a couple of extra quid. Um, if anyone wants to hire us to host infomercials, yes. I think we should do it. So um, will we just do a little test run? Okay. Um, so Ruth is um, demonstrating at the moment the, um, what what is this wonderful gadget and gizmo called there, Ruth? The iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> no, the yoke stuck on the back of it. So this is a this is a dealio um, thing that I purchased on ASOS, uh, which is my addiction, and you stick your finger in it, <laughs> and it anchors your 
phone to your hand. I am not good at this. Well, so in the past three minutes, you have sold that thing to yes. both both I of us. Right, yeah. Okay, so just to explain, um, I met Ruth out the other night, and she, I was like, how is, "How is your buzzers?" Yeah, we were at the electric picnic lunch, living our best. That is top buzzing. It was, yeah. it was buzzy, yeah. <laughs> we were standing beside a bin talking to Jeremy from RSAG while people just kept handing us free group yeah. free it was snacks. it was like a little mini festival we were cold we were trying to keep ourselves warm by dancing and we were next to a bin it's so. the best event in Dublin every year <laughs> every year <laughs> yeah. oh yeah so this thing on the back of my phone you, you know the iPhones have gotten massive these days all phones have gotten yeah, massive look at my, and yep. my hands thankfully haven't grown in, in comparison <laughs> with them you know I've still got pretty small kind of girl hands and the phone is too heavy for my my little titch fingers so when you're holding your phone in one hand it rests on your like baby finger and my baby finger obviously has no um kind of muscles in it so it gets strained really easy yeah so if you hook it through this hook that's stuck on the back of your phone it just alleviates the pressure well, this is it. But I saw you so, with once this. again sold. Yes, sold. <laughs> this is it. So um, we're not getting paid for this, by the way. But if you have any cool shit that you would like us to hawk for you, yeah. like we'll I said, it. we will do it. Or, or if anyone's listening and wants to buy Emer or Claire a, a phone hook thing, they really show us phone hook thing. Yeah. So I saw Ruth's doing this the other night, and I was like, that's a bit extra. Like, <laughs> but Thanks. I guess she's on her phone a lot. She's a photographer. She's constantly like photographing cool stuff and her Instagram is really awesome and I was like you know I don't need that and then the next day my hand started hurting from my ridiculous giant See? phone See? she had placed inserted the seed yeah. of the dealio yes. is it actually called a dealio no, no. oh well it is now <laughs> thing. we just said uh, trademarked it um, but yeah you. I think you're um, simply what was your thing simply insert simply ins- I think the use of the word insert might uh, I don't know encourage people to buy it or manoeuvre your phone insert the dealio <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll we'll talk about that afterwards because I think we need like we need some sort of side business hawking things yeah. done. You could say yeah. like an aerosess as well. Like you need to insert the dealio. Yeah. yeah. No, you've got a good aerosess. Get people voice. to actually listen to the safety demonstration. Place the mask over the baby. No, that's <gasps> wrong. But your oh. mouth goes first, then the baby's mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You'd suck at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So we are here to answer the question: What is your biggest fear? So if this is your first time listening at home please do go back to previous episodes we have had some top buzzers come and join us on the show before um loads of people loads of people so go back and listen but listen to this one first because this is going to be the best one right guys yes it is um so i think we should just get right in there Emer mcleisis <sighs> what is your biggest fear Okay, this is going to sound stupid now that i'm going to say it out loud but it is ketchup <laughs> you are not alone my friends what <laughs> oh, it's a real thing. Oh, I, I, I fell Did you it. look it up? I've never looked it up. Okay, so it is called, I always bottles up phobia names, so bear with me. This one's very long. Mortusicusophobia. An adjective and a noun, an abnormal fear of ketchup. Etymology from Australian rhyming slang dead horse for red sauce, a.k.a. ketchup. Specific to ketchup does not include other condiments such as mustard or salsa. No matter what anybody says... Mortiquisophobia is real. And that last bit was in capitals. That was taken from trusted source Wikipedia. So it must be true. The person who wrote that is a kindred spirit. Yeah. I'm also afraid of mayonnaise, but slightly less so than ketchup. Oh, okay. Did you ever have like a condiment related traumatic instant as a child? Or have Um, you just always, always. I can probably trace it back to. One of my brothers, my middle brother, used to, in in my memory, he's older than I am, um, 
cover all of his dinners with tomato ketchup no matter what the dinner was in my mind's eye all I can see is a plate of ketchup and it was just so horrifying and the smell of it I'm not a massive fan of vinegary foods and tomato ketchup is quite vinegary I actually don't know if I've ever even tasted it you've never I just tasted can't it bring, I couldn't I couldn't bring that close to myself no okay so I have some I questions. <laughs> I have some questions. Now, I'm just I'm just going to be a creeping look back on our conversation uh, from last night. So you said, I don't know if I've ever tasted, to be honest with you, it's the look and the smell of it, everything about it. I wouldn't eat anything ketchup has touched. I would probably cry if somebody chased me with it. I don't even like touching the bottles. No, no. So it, it's Maybe a bottle in a supermarket that's really clean, but you know the bottles often have the residue uh, that's dripped down the side. Right. Oh, yeah, nobody Ooh. likes that. Okay, fresh tomatoes. Fresh tomatoes are fine. Uh, spaghetti bolognese yeah that's fine tomato based other tomato based foods are fine not a massive fan of lumps of tomato so what about sun dried tomatoes they're kind of vinegary smelling not not great on those I've just put you off them for life yeah yeah, they are kind of vinegary smelling Um, no other tomato products are fine I've been asked these questions many 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 times over the years people are like (laughs) you're what what?" people are like trying to think of what about something with tomatoes and I'm like no that's fine that's all fine it's just the ketchup okay Um, but we also we have similar feelings about beans touching the other food on the plate now yeah. there's a reason that the Lord Jesus invented ramekins you don't want the juice touching the rest of the food am I right no you don't want the yeah, juice yeah I'd agree there but I want to get back to this sauce thing <laughs> <laughs> brown sauce no you don't you're okay with brown sauce no I don't like it oh okay. but I'm not afraid of it mustard are you afraid of ketchup yeah then? Like, like deathly afraid I, I was I was thinking about this quite a lot because when Claire said you know what's your greatest fear and I was like well I'm really really afraid of spiders but that's quite obvious like loads of people are afraid yeah. of spiders mm-hmm. I'm afraid of bathrooms that don't have locks on the doors particularly bathrooms at the tops of stairs hold on that's not normal <laughs> <What>? a little <laughs> bit there at the, this is this is we're going to dig deep this is going to be a therapy session now something happened in a bathroom you know at the top you're of in the someone's stairs. house and the bathroom Bathrooms are often at the top of stairs. Yeah. And there's no lock. So? You can hear someone coming up when they're going to open the door. I wear a lot of jumpsuits. Uh. <laughs> so you're sitting on the toilet in the, nip. in the nip. Yeah. But and then you no just say, someone's can't... in here. No? I'm getting stressed out. Oh my God. We actually, amazing. on a previous episode, um, Anna Jacob from Sing Along Social um, pretty much on the spot invented a new game called Toilet Risk. Uh, that she, Well, it's not that she had invented on the spot. She came up with the name on the spot. But she has this thing where um, she likes to pee with the door open because she enjoys the risk. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's how you get your shoes wet, though. <laughs> Although I live, I live on my own and I haven't lived in the house that long. And because I live on my own, I don't close the bathroom door when I have a shower. And I discovered to my detriment quite recently that you can see my shower from if you open the letterbox of my house. Oh, my God. God. So someone was trying to deliver something and next thing they were like, hello. (laughs) I was like, ah. Stop ogling my goodies. <laughs> so did they openly ogle or did they kind of just like pretend? No, to be honest, happens? I don't even know if they saw anything, but it was it was a strong and vital learning experience <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I've taken us very far away from where we started. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so I mentioned, I just want to put this out there for like, you're, you're, not, you're okay. With, are you okay with beans? Yeah. You just, they can't touch the other. They're, they're fine. I, I think I was saying to you, I eat beans maybe once a year. Okay. I wouldn't seek them out. I would never order them on anything. Okay. I, if there was a fry, I'd be like, hold the beans. Okay. But the odd time I might be like, Mike, a spoonful of beans. beans. If something, if the beans were touching something, yeah, I could eat the beans, but not the thing they had touched. Yeah. 
But it all okay. goes in the same way. No, no. No, but this, this, this you is dip quite a, a sausage thing. into beans. N- absolutely not. <laughs> what a horrifying thought. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know when you're building like a little mini dinner on your fork? Yeah. And you know, when you're, you're building... No, the beans, no. You don't just, put a bean honest, at the end. To be honest, the beans just wouldn't be in the equation, okay. I don't think. Because you're not me, a fan cause of beans. Because I love... I, I know I said I don't like it touching the other food, but that's yeah. like... I can make it such the other food. I just don't want someone else to uh, lash it. But like well, beans, beans, beans on toast, delicious. No, disgusting. Uh, or beans on a baked potato. Yes. But one of my main thrills, <laughs> that sounds awful, one of my main thrills in life. But one thing that I like to do every so often to take myself back to my childhood is to make a bean volcano. So you get your mash and you make a hole in it, you put the beans into it and you put it up in like a volcano shape and then you're like eating around the base of the volcano and dipping into the This lava. is actually sagging into one of my greatest childhood fears which was volcanoes slash quicksand. But I have grown out of that. <laughs> so you're, you're over amazing. a horrible, horrible death by a quicksand or being well, burnt with hot lava. I realised as I grew up that I, I was unlikely to come into contact with the quicksand. So you developed a fear of ketchup instead because <laughs> this is healthy. This is it's so ever healthy. It's ever present. It's, it's everywhere. Ketchup everywhere. Okay, and one thing I want to know, right? At what stage in the ketchup process does it become intolerable to you? So you have tomatoes and you're not afraid of tomatoes. No. If I start mashing those tomatoes... No, that's fine. You're still okay yeah. with it. And if I reduce them down even more and add a bit of sugar and all that other stuff, are we still okay? Are we like? talking about homemade ketchup? Yeah. it's Homemade ketchup is less frightening than the stuff that comes it's out processed. of the box. Yeah. So like sachets, are they terrifying? Horrifying because they're so unpredictable. They are. Like, <laughs> they might squirt at you. Yeah. So are. And like people who have children will sometimes go, oh, will you open that for him or for the child? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> please don't make me open it. Does that happen a lot in your life? <laughs> like, oh, this was, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find out where you live in a really non-creepy way. And I'm going to wait Look till you're in the shower. Box, the and I'm going to put ketchup through your letterbox oh while you're in the shower. <laughs> I'm, the little packets are fine if they're sealed. Okay, but I still don't really like if if I you know in McDonald's sometimes they're like, do you want ketchup? But they'll just throw them into the bag, and I'm like, no. What if they burst? Can I just um, take a moment to reflect that uh, Ruth Medjbert just said, I want to come to your house in a non-creepy way, wait till you're in the shower and put ketchup through your letterbox. I don't think that's how it works. I'll just, you know, I'll stage it like a documentary or something that's not creepy. Okay, Emer looks very uncomfortable. Wow. I wish I brought ketchup. Oh my gosh. I want to flip this. Can we talk? Because I love sauces and I love condiments. Mm. You can't just have dry food now. What do you put instead of ketchup? I have a lot of dry food. Hmm. Um, oh, so you yes. don't like mayonnaise either, but no. like, but nice, uh, like I have a, I have a qualifier there. Garlic mayonnaise I can just about oh, manage. God. Delicious. Yeah, mm. yeah. I would argue that garlic mayonnaise is more of a sauce than a mayonnaise. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I know it. I know it's irrational. The garlic yeah. mayonnaise and the mayonnaise thing. Um, what would I put on food? Just nothing. I just quite like it dry. You wouldn't eat like a curry chips. Oh, I like curry. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. Okay. Oh, that's a different. That's a different. What about like altogether. a nice, like a like a chili oil or a hot sauce yeah, they're, or they're peanut okay. ryu? Or oh yeah, totally fine. Pesto. So it's not all sauces. Pesto's okay. fine. Had some for lunch. Is hummus a condiment? I certainly use it as one, but I don't know if it is. No, no. It's just something I put on all my foods. Uh, I find other foods are just a vehicle for eating hummus. Hummus is a main food group. I think think (laughs) it's in the triangle. Yeah, (laughs) it is definitely. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I like what do I like? I yeah, I kind of use it as it's it's just on my plate with almost every meal. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of was wondering maybe I could put it into the condiment group. Probably not. I'm I'm a hummus fan. I will still continue to eat it. And if you want to up your hummus game or just your life game in general. Little tip for you. So during the snowmageddon a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I reached peak cabin fever. 
Now, where I live was completely snowed in. There was just, there was nothing happening. Now, they did eventually dig, dig a tunnel to the front door of the local bar and the entire village went in there. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> so it was like something out of a film. There was a couple of days where, oh, it's, I mean, it's just great crack to see um, on the national news a picture of your local bar completely snowed under and then have one of your neighbours in the WhatsApp group send you a picture of him thumbs up walking <laughs> through the door of the bar because they've dug a tunnel. Amazing. Yay! Community spirit lives <laughs> yeah. strong. But before that happened, um, yeah, so I basically, I had like, you know, like you buy seeds sometimes because you're hungover and you're like, oh, I should probably buy these I'm going to get healthy. Seeds. I'm going to get seeds. healthy. That's, That's not what seeds. I buy when I'm hungover. I don't buy seeds, no. I buy wedge rolls with ketchup. Nice. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, I had all these seeds and I ended up like toasting them all and making a big batch in a big jar of topping. And I was like, oh, this would be a nice salad topping or a soup topping or hummus topping or a dinner topping or a porridge topping and I basically put seeds on everything <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted they're nice. kind of good for you though aren't they yeah, yeah. they're fine but yeah that is my that is my very very cool rock and roll recommendation for everybody listening just get a rake of different seeds toast them in a pan keep them in a jar put them mm. on everything Flavor now that you've explosion. said wedges and ketchup that's all I can think about oh the really smell, the smell the mixture okay, of question. smells barbecue sauce not mad on not afraid of it okay. but just not mad on I've, the taste found, I think I found your line yeah. I know where it is yeah. okay somewhere between I brown once, and I made barbecue. a friend get out of my car on the way home from a wedding because we had stopped for a hangover beige yeah. food fest and she had bought wedges and covered the box in tomato ketchup and then got into my put the passenger seat of my car That's and I was just like rude I was like what are you doing no are you still friends just about. Just about. <laughs> um, okay, I think we need to talk about happier things in the McLeisett's okay. world. Okay. Um, so everything is going well for you. You just moved into a new house. Yeah. You found out you can flash people if you yeah. want through your ladder box. How are the cats settling in? They're fine. They're okay. fine. So I, I have a cat called Pip and the house I moved into came with two cats. Amazing. Uh, it's a long story. I won't tell it here, but they're not mine, but I am. Um, responsible for them so yeah I'm a cat lady I'm, I'm okay with it yeah but I don't think cats belong to anyone isn't that that thing dogs of masters cats of staff yeah like mm-hmm. let's be honest like you run a, like you're not in sh- you don't no, Pip well, doesn't belong to you you just serve him no yeah no, no I just <laughs> serve Pip one of the cats I am in charge of Reggie is particularly stupid so I don't think he's able really to be anyone's master so he has Aww. to be looked after but the Aww. other two yeah yeah bless Excellent. Um, so apart from having loads of cats and living in a cool <laughs> oh house. Um, loads of cats afraid of ketchup. No. <laughs> Flashing I, the postman. Sorry, yeah. did you take that as a negative? Do you realise <laughs> no. how many people like work long hours and would love to have a cat and can't? Well, come Congrats. to my house. You can have one of mine. <laughs> on having loads of cats. Um, but yeah, no, you. Um, there's a small matter of um, your best-selling novel oh, yeah. that you wrote. Um, <laughs> so for anybody who, um, I don't know, like maybe they... We're like asleep for the last year and a half or something and haven't read the book and haven't heard about it. Tell us about Ashling. Tell us the whole story of how it came about. Uh, so, Oh My God, What a Can Eat Ashing is a book that came out of a friendship and a Facebook group. So uh, me and my friend Sarah wrote the book. We met maybe 15 years ago in college and uh, lived together, came up with this character called Ashling. We used to be hung over a lot, sitting around under blankets, drinking wine. And we somehow came up with this character. I think it came about because we were wondering who are the people who buy brown mascara. We yeah. just, we just couldn't. Oh, we were like, why? Ashling does... definitely buys brown yeah. mascara. She's or clear. Brown yeah. or clear. Or clear. Yeah. yeah, and a bit of clear on the eyebrows then to keep them in check. Um, but she, we, we were like, who is the girl who buys brown mascara? Who are, who are the people for, for who find a use for it? And from that, we built up this character of Ashling. Um, and then this was in the time before WhatsApp groups. So we wanted a place to share all these kind of jokes and kind of 
Ashlingisms with our friends so I set up a Facebook group it was only supposed to be for a group of like 10 friends who were like oh it's gas and she would never do this and she would definitely do mm-hmm. this and it just grew and grew and grew and now it's at 50 something thousand um, yeah. and uh, to cut a long story short a couple of years ago Gil Books approached Sarah and I and said would you like to turn Ashling the character into a book and I think they thought we were probably going to do something that was like a compendium of kind of Ashlingisms or funny jokes. But we said, no, let's do a novel. Yes. And boy, did you. Because I kind <laughs> of, because I like cause years ago, actually back in the Phantom days, yeah. I think it was Fiona Scally said to me, oh my God, are you in this Facebook group? And she introduced me to it. And um, just for anybody that ha- like hasn't read the book or doesn't know, like there's a little bit of Ashling in all of us. Like yeah. Ashling is... Can we maybe give a few Ashlingisms for people who don't? Yeah, so the, the, the kind of uh, rock solid Ashlingisms would be like she would never go to Tesco without a bag for life and never has. Like it would absolutely horrify her to have to pay the 70 cent. She probably doesn't even know how much it is because she's never had to buy one. Mm-hmm. She has. She's the person who has trolley tokens on her key rings yeah. and just uses them. Jeans and a nice top. Jeans and a nice top is her classic going out outfit. She's never gone to the skinny jeans fashion because nothing's more slimming than a navy boot cut and she has oh. just stuck with that fashion. Yeah. Um... She has never dyed her hair because she has a lovely natural. I mean, her hair is kind of the color of mud, but she thinks it's it's a lovely. Yeah, you know, and the sun brings out the the golden tints in it. And her mother would kill her if she dyed it. And, and she goes on holidays to the Canaries. Yeah, with her boyfriend John, who they've been going out since her twenty first. He was her seventeenth kiss, and they're destined to get married. She doubles up on contraception, condoms, and anti baby pills. Just you know, just in case. Don't want any. So mistakes. she's sensible. I mean, she's also like this is not like this is not mean. Like there's no. nothing mean. Like Ashling is Ashling is like your soundest friend. Well, she's you know, great but crack. She, but she, you do roll roll her eyes when she puts like passive aggressive notes about emptying the dishwasher in the office canteen. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Ashling didn't worry about it, who would? Well, this is it. So you know, she's convinced somebody in work is throwing forks in the bin because where are all the forks going? <laughs> Fair, and she's the one worrying about it. Okay, somebody has to. Yeah, no, but she's uh, she's a good person. She's a great friend, and the character that we 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 got to flesh her out so much more for the book, well, and people have said that that they really like her, and that was our well. Our this goal. was it, like because I like, and there's so many different characters, and I think do you know the way years ago when Sex and the City was all the rage, people would be like, "I'm such a Samantha, and you're such a Miranda, and <laughs> yeah. this and the other." Like I genuinely like you know, I, like I would say I'm like a Neve Ashling hybrid, but I wish I was more of like a Magella a lot of times. Like <laughs> yeah. for the other, like for example, the other day I had a flight. It was delayed two and a half hours and I was like dying to get home. And I was like, oh, this is so annoying. And they'd given me a tag for my bag right? because I was at the back of the queue. And as I was getting onto the plane, the woman was saying, do you have a tag on your bag? Yeah. OK, you have to put it over there. Do you have a tag? Oh, you don't. Oh, you can bring yours on. I was like, they don't know. I could just take it off. Yeah. I could just take it off. Just take it off. And my my, my inner Ashton <laughs> would let me. And I was like, stop being an Ashton. Be a Magella. Take it off. Take it off. What would I Madge do? Ta- I wouldn't have taken it off. <laughs> I didn't. I got, I, had, I got as far as wrapping it around, my like concealing it in my hands. <gasps> The handle and the girl in front of me didn't have it. Do you have a tag on your bag? No, you can bring yours on. She goes, do you have a tag on your bag? And I looked at her (laughs) and I unfurled my hand and said, (laughs) yes, "Yes." I do. And she's like, okay, go. And because of that, I was like an extra 40 minutes waiting for my bag in Dublin airport. Do do you know what I noticed there? You said you were at the back of the queue. Ashling would never be at the back of a queue getting on an airplane. I know. (laughs) What happened was I really needed to go to the bathroom and I had to go back up. I hope hope that you're explaining. (laughs) But I was at the front and then I have, I had to go to the bathroom and come back. What really, one of my strong Ashling tendencies is when people give out about people queuing for planes, that really annoys me because I'm like, A, let the 
people queue if they want to queue and B it's so they can get space in the overhead locker nobody wants to be the one going up and down going I've nowhere to put my case okay so I will put my hands up and say that I used to be baffled with this like, it's a signed seating you weirdos what yeah. are you doing and only like a few months ago someone said to me you know like if there's not enough space they'll take your bag and put it in the hold and I was like <gasps> and now I am one of those queuers but that's a new thing like people you have been queuing for years on Ryanair yeah. and you're just looking at them going why are you queuing although there didn't used to be assigned seating on Ryanair so then it was yeah. it was valid to be but queuing. everyone's still mm. getting on though actually that's quite a fear of mine getting on the plane last and they're not being enough I don't mind if my bag goes in the hold I'm more afraid of them not taking it and me kind of going up and down the plane the plane's taking off and I'm like is there anywhere to put and my bag and they keep yelling on the intercoms like yeah. please take your seat and you're like yeah. I'm trying like, sir, can I move your coat, please? <laughs> Why does sir have his coat up there anyway? Your coat doesn't go up there, it goes doesn't. under the seat in front of you. <sighs> You'd oh make God. a great air hostess, I'm taking it back, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. Um, but I must say, that was one thing I did love about the book, was that, like, because you, you know, you're like, oh, you would never do this, or Ashton would do that, or whatever, yeah. um, all these different characters, but to actually have them as real people, you know, and like, I'm not going to give any spoilers for the book, but if you haven't read it, go and read the damn book. Like, I brought over it to my sister-in-law who Aww. lives in Vancouver oh, as yeah. a gift. And I said to her, I was like, I think this will give you a lot of insight into why your husband and I are the way we are. <laughs> and she read it and she was like, oh my God, there's so many of your weird things that I get now. Yeah, it's it's Aww. very Irish. Yeah. But hopefully not in too much of a hokey way and more of a kind of... No, I think it's just true. You yeah. know, it's just really, really nice. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. <laughs> well, obviously... Lots of people liked it because bestseller. You're working on book number two. Yeah. And you've got a film deal in the works as yeah, well. Yeah. So Sarah and I were just working on a treatment for a screenplay that's to come for hopefully a feature film that's to come. So we're wow. working with Element Pictures on that. God, I'm so excited. Who would play Ashling? We would be your dream person. Our dream would be somebody like Saoirse Ronan because... That's what I was going to yeah. say. Like, because she's amazing, she's Irish and because of her star power. Like, if you have someone like her in your film. But I think ideally it would will probably end up being someone who's quite unknown because if it was like people keep suggesting maybe Amy Huberman it's like but everyone knows Amy Huberman and she's not an Ashley. she's not an Ashley. um maybe she's a Neve (laughs) I don't know if she's a Neve so Neve in the book is Neve from across the road and she's kind of a kind of a vegan hippie Protestant (laughs) so she's like a rich vegan hippie Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also a lovely person. Oh, she's a lovely person, yeah. But Ashling and her are like chalk and cheese. Ashling is just like these avocados. Where is she getting them? <laughs> why does she go to brunch so much? <laughs> oh, Ashling doesn't understand brunch. Like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Robbing yourself of a meal. Oh, my goodness. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Why are you Never robbing yourself? You just have breakfast brunch, lunch and dinner, no? Oh, adding a meal. Adding a meal. Yeah, come on. Yeah, okay, so I'm not the only one that does that? Cool. Does anyone get brunch anxiety? You're like, what if it takes ages for it to come because it's really busy? I better have a snack beforehand. It's like when you wake up on Saturday morning, you're like, I haven't booked anywhere. Oh, no. (laughs) It's total just... You're being such a Neve. This is is a very very Neve conversation. I think I like Neve. (laughs) Neve is wonderful. Um, So, guys, we do um, have a section on the podcast called Gorilla Problem solving okay and for people who are listening if you haven't heard it before what you do is if there's something that is making you fearful or keeping you awake at night um you can email us it's fearfulpodcast at gmail.com it will be 100 percent con um, confidential and we'll never tell and we'll never say oh um ashling sent this in or whatever so it's completely <laughs> anonymous and um 
we will try and solve it for you. The okay. idea being, you know, if there's something that you're building up in your own head and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, um, if you actually just share it with someone, you'll A, find out that loads of people are probably like, oh, that's a totally normal thing. And two, completely impartial strangers' opinions. Um, I'm excited. I know, <laughs> yes. I'm quite nervous about this because I'm probably not the person to be giving advice. But okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's just, you know, we'll just go for it. So yeah. here's one. Um, it says... I'd love to be able to jump off the highest diving board at Black Rock in Salt Hill Prom Galway, but I'm terrified. I don't have a fear of heights, just a fear of jumping off any height of a diving board. Oh, Oh, that's a tricky one. It is. Because my initial thing when I read it was, we'll start on a small one and then go go up. Or hold someone's hand. Go with someone. Yeah, I'm a sucker for that. I'm just like, you come, you do it with me. Like it is a dreadful, dreadful fear that jumping into water yeah. Even if it's not that high, but I think that that Blackpool, that Galway Pier diving board is quite high. Right. But the person says they're afraid of jumping off any diving board. So, but maybe there, were, there aren't that many available to them to practice with. But it is yeah. dangerous though, jumping if you're not really experienced with jumping, right? Because you can break legs and stuff, right? <sighs> if, you, if you land badly, should you not? Properly. <laughs> we're really good at this no I'm like I'm getting sweaty palms now yeah. I, I basically I almost got broken up with once because um, everybody was cl- jumping off the cliff and I was like I want to do it but all I could think was you were the clumsiest person that ever mm, walked yeah. this earth you're there's rocks the down there you're going to be the one that like it's going to be because of you that the cliff is closed and no one's ever allowed to dive off again because you crack your head yeah. so it took about um like 45 minutes before I did it and it was actually great and I was nowhere near the rocks and it was fine and did you do it again after that or was it oh just God, that no. one jump no that okay. was the one jump and then it was time I wonder to... would this person who's uh, got in touch be happy with just one jump or do they want to be able to be the person who jumps off that diving yeah. board I think for me as well, something like this, it's not just about the diving board. It's a confidence thing as well. Mm. Like if it was me, if it was something that I really, really, really was interested, I would just be super extra about it. And I would actually go to the local pool, Mm. book a lesson with someone like you were saying, because if you dive wrong. So the fear is, I suppose, that if you dive wrong, um, you could really hurt yourself. Like, mm. do you ever like jump, do, like try and do a backflip and you smack your back and it's really painful yeah. in the water? Belly flops, just belly flop, like, like any of those kind of like jumps. Like I tried to do a backflip before because a friend of mine told me that it was really easy. He was like, "Oh my god, like it's I was never able to do it." And you just stand on the edge of the boat or whatever, and all you do is you tuck your legs back. And that's it. I swear to you God, I only, on your back. I only learned how to do it last week. Now he left out the bit where you use your arms, get momentum, jump, oh. and took your legs back. And I went okay, and literally took my feet off, held onto my legs, and smacked into the water. So the another thing about jumping time. in from a height into into deep water is that you go quite far down into the water. Okay. I think like I don't really have a problem jumping off high things into water, but it's how far down you go and how long it takes you to come back up. I think that can be quite scary. Okay. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say oh. book a le- book a lesson um with somebody and learn how to dive properly. That's what I would yeah. do honestly. Um and then and also get a really patient lovely friend who's not afraid mm, to go with, with you. you. Someone yeah. you trust. God the whole thing terrifies me. Like this someone is... who definitely won't like actually I won't even say it. <laughs> Oh, go on. Someone who definitely won't push you in. <laughs> no. I'd, I'd be that friend. I'd be like, I go on, go on. And I just push from behind and go, oh, there you go. No, now. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. So, yeah, no, that's what I would say. I was like, uh, I would say that it's not just about the dive, if you think about it. If you do this, it's going to actually give you so much confidence and you'll be able to go and do loads of other cool shit in your life. So, And it will feel amazing. It'll feel you'll amazing. Be so proud of yourself. Absolutely. Do it. 
Um, okay, this is an interesting one for the group, actually. I'm just picking these up at random, by the way. I have a okay. little pile of them, so I haven't seen them yet. Um, I'm afraid of spending time alone creatively, even though I enjoy it and because I'm really hard on myself. Mm. Ooh, yes. That's so, an interesting one. Room full of creative people. Spending time alone creatively, is that, I wonder, like trying to create alone like being alone with creative thoughts and being right I'm gonna I'm gonna make the put thing this on or paper the thing or, or take the picture or do whatever I'm gonna do yeah do you think that's what they mean maybe um I suppose the thing is if you're alone if you make a balls of it no one's gonna know mm, yeah. so it's a good way the to only thing you can lose is time exactly you, you've got that you know what I mean so I think they're just putting an awful lot of pressure on themselves yeah. it's like oh, I'm gonna sit down here for four hours and create something Instead of doing that, maybe just use those four hours like, oh, I'm going to go to Glendalough and I'm going to go for a walk. And instead of just trying to create something, wait for inspiration to hit before you try and create. And yeah. then, then you know, go and it's like, oh, I have this thing I want to do now and then go and create it rather than just sitting there waiting for it to come to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, some, yeah. I sometimes find if it's a case of they're afraid of kind of sitting there aimlessly and, and nothing's mm. happening or they're going to sit there and be afraid to start something is, is set an end goal. So sometimes if there's, this sounds really simplistic, but it sometimes works for me if there's something nice you really want to watch on TV or if you have a plan with a friend and you go, right, well, I'm going to sit down at this time. Yeah. And whatever I have done by this time, at least I'll have given it a go and see oh, what I have done. that's a good one. Yeah, like it's it's pretty simple, but... Okay, I will take your best-selling author opinion <laughs> on that. Thank you if very you have much. Something, if you have something nice to look forward to and the sitting down and creating is something you're not necessarily happy about, then, you know, have, have a nice reward at the end. And you never know what you might make in that two hours or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Because my method is to um, put it off until the absolute last minute because I really, I have to have pressure on me to yeah. <laughs> do good work. Yeah. So I will like do absolute, no, it just means that like my gaff is really tidy yeah. and my laundry's always yeah. done and like toast amazing. seeds yeah. and have well, them maybe, sprinkle. Maybe that know. would help for this person if it, yeah. if they enter something or tell somebody they're going to write something for something or then they have that pressure. Mm -hmm. If they're yeah. just trying to create aimlessly. Yeah, if I'm trying be. to sit there thinking of a new of, of a new way to shoot someone or a new thing to kind of to to, to just shoot. If if you can, I just interrupt you there. If you went away and got a cup of tea and wandered back at the wrong moments, can I just say that Ruth is a photographer? She oh, yeah. doesn't actually murder people because you just said <laughs> oh, if sorry. I'm going to shoot people. <laughs> it's just it's I know I have to watch myself. Like I've got two lives. One of them I shoot people for photos, and the other. I'm a hitman, but <laughs> when for hire, I, yeah. so for hire, touch yeah. if, you know, good but, yeah, when I'm trying to think of a new shoot idea, um, something creative, like I can't just sit there for like for a scheduled amount of time and, mm. and just create something on demand. I have to get inspiration from other things. So galleries, galleries are amazing to me. So it'd be like going into Emma with a notebook and then sitting there and looking at what everything else someone else has done, or go to a library. So just taking creative inspiration from everyone else rather than sitting there with alone with my thoughts, which is a terrible thing to do. Yeah. 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 Like that's an empty page, an yeah. empty screen. It's so yeah. daunting when you're just sitting there going, I have to think of something, I have to think of something because I'll never come to you. So I just fill that space with other stuff. Yeah. And then you... Mm, that's a really good tip. Just copy other people's ideas. And <laughs> be, <laughs> be inspired. Be, be inspired. inspired. Are you a big notebook person? I love notebooks. Oh, oh my God, I love them. I you always know have about four on the go. Yeah, you know those big thick black ones you know the black outside ones with the clean pages inside I live by them yeah. it was something that was instilled in us in college so for the last 10 years I've had notebooks
box with random scribbles in it and I keep one just under the pillow of the uh, under the pillow next to me I have one for when I wake up in the middle of the night like I used to be thinking oh I'll remember that in the morning and I don't never do scribble it all down love notebooks yeah I've got like one beside my bed Mm -hmm. I've got a big huge they actually there I don't know what size this is is that like a five a five size like smaller than yeah. half an A4 page um, but like they're about two inches thick and they're just spiral mm. notebooks and they're in deals for like 150 mm. and um, I always have one of them on the go because you can just do it really quickly just write down all sorts of crap then I have an acceptable one that I can bring to meetings <laughs> with a nice cover on it and then I have one beside my bed and then I've got one that sits on my desk mm. a small one for your handbag your back pocket or your coat pocket yes. or something is also very yes very so my important. little spiral one fits in my back pocket yeah. so I can bring it around the place and like that, just, you know, going around. I did that in Liverpool last Sunday. I wandered around just a couple of different galleries and I went to the library. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go and do the big Liverpool things yeah. and um, like go down to the docks and go to the Tate and all that. End up sitting in the library for like an hour and a half because I had some idea for something. I was like, oh, maybe I should write this down now. And I was just <laughs> sitting in this lovely library pretending I was in Harry Potter. And I'm like, yeah, I'll come back again. That sounds nice yeah. too. It was lovely. The docks will still be there next time you go back. They will. Absolutely. Um, so Ruth, this kind of goes into your fear a little bit. Oh, I'm excited to hear what this so. is. <laughs> My fears aren't fun though. They're like really... But they're very relatable. They're very grown up and very Okay, painful. so a bit of context on Ruth. So have a look at her website. It's ruthlessimagery.com. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was Comrade IE. Um, some amazing work. And you're always so, anytime I've worked with you, it's always been such a pleasure. Like you're so fun and you really put everyone at ease and you're very talented. But you are uh, self-employed, mm-hmm. um, freelancing, running your own business, doing all the boring businessy admin mm-hmm. stuff and then trying to make time to do the creative side of it and have a life and hang out with your cool dog. <laughs> so Ruth, tell us, what is your biggest fear? I love my dog um so right so my biggest fear and it is it is terribly grown up and I don't want to bring the tone down or anything but I think a lot of our generation have it and it's this weird fear that I have and it rules my life and it's ruled my business and my career decisions and everything and it's this instilled fear of not living up to my potential potential being in in air quotes because I don't know what my potential is like nobody really does but it's just and it it's it's given me a drive to keep going but it's also given me this feeling of that I'll never be satisfied mm-hmm. with what I've done so I'll never be a hundred percent proud of any of the projects or any of the shoots or anything because I'm like I probably could have done better so this little nagging voice that's like yeah but could you have done better you know could you have done better like it's good and all but it's not that good it's bloody potential thing so I it terrifies me and it's it's come into my life so much that so I have a fear of being late I can't be late being late really stresses me out like I, I it, it's quite just a handy fear though isn't it <laughs> yes. never late. No, but I, no but also it kind of it works it's to my detriment as well because then I'm I'm so anxious about being late that I am super early okay. so like I'm a half an hour early for stuff and then you're just like nobody likes that person either. Do you know what I mean? The person that's standing outside your gaff at quarter when you said be there at eight and you're just like, oh, they're here again. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just like, I know you're still putting your makeup on, but hi. Like, that's not cool either. So I have, you know, it, and because 
if I if if as a photographer if I'm late to something there's a chance I might miss the shot mm-hmm. and if that shot is the one thing that's going to make or break my career then I haven't lived up to my stupid potential oh that's a lot of pressure I just live yeah. I am under like and it's myself that's put myself under that pressure and I think it's it's there's nobody telling me like oh you have to do great things in your life my parents weren't that kind of demanding on me or anything and they didn't nor did they say like oh you can be anything in the world you want to be my parents were just like just get a good job and you'll be grand like, mm-hmm. so there was none of this like oh I'm entitled or oh I want a really creative career or there's none of that it's just pressure just that you're putting on yourself self-employed yeah. pressure yeah when you're in a creative industry it's just self-employed pressure that you just keep doing so yeah I have a fear of absolutely just messing up my life you're right Claire it is very relatable it's very <laughs> relatable yeah. isn't but it it's, yeah it terrifies so me we've done like pr- previous episodes we have done with mm. a live audience and on the way in we just give a little piece of paper what is your biggest fear and honestly probably about 40% of them are something mm. like what you're saying so I think it is a thing that a lot of people have like some people I mean god bless them if they are like I'm trying to think now like all of my friends are starving artists and musicians <laughs> and stuff so everyone seems to have that kind of thing but I'm sure there are people out there that are like super chilled super relaxed and being like do you know what I'm actually really happy with my life yeah. Yeah. Um, everything's going great I'm quite happy with my job and my relationships and I have like nice hobbies and I'm kind of grand like I'm sure there are people out there your face you're like what who are these people no but no, I'm sure I there do. are people there out are. there yeah, like that people are happy and just like yeah this is cool in great jobs you know what I mean? and there is times when I crack and and I'm kind of on the phone to my boyfriend crying going like especially when I'm putting on an exhibition or something and mm. that's really terrifying because well, you're, you're really putting yourself out there and it's just you yeah it's just you I'm putting and I remember calling and going oh my god I just want to go and work in a normal job my ideal job by the way is a postman oh, I'd yeah. love to be a postman it job. just seems so chilled. You get to do the same thing every day, saying hi to people and just like plodding along. Yeah. yeah. I've getting just, your steps yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, getting your steps in. So healthy, right? I've just thought of someone. I actually do know a person who's completely happy and content and just a real chiller. Um, and all the things that I just said about that, yeah. like maybe person that exists guess what his job is he's a bloody postman he's a postman (gasps) and he is a cheery chappy amazing he's just going about his life happy and And grateful for what he has there's no massive um, pressure for you know to climb up that ladder and be like I don't know what's next from a postman like sorting off his dude or something (laughs) with that comes the pressure yeah Yeah. but I think I'd I'd be pretty cool at being a postman just chilling around and then that's it and then you don't have to keep going but it because there's no rules there's no one in my job telling me oh this is your next level this is your next step this is what you have to do there's no there's no map there's no route I have to create it myself and I have to keep going I have to keep a fire lit under myself and I terrify myself all the time to do it oh yeah so much so that it, it's it's worked into my life that I like anxiety has come into my life at, at a stage now that I have to carry an EpiPen because my panic attacks get so bad I get covered in hives my throat closes over oh that's over. horrifying isn't it yeah panic attacks my god yeah. that's, that's that's a fear in itself yeah so I have um, idiopathic anaphylaxis so that my fear has just mutated into me nearly dying from it wow <laughs> yeah. so if I'm late I could die <laughs> my goodness I've actually I until we were having a joke about this because um, we're just again having a chat we, we talk a lot of crap to each other on Instagram <laughs> messenger yeah you know just oh I see Claire, you've got can, another... can you go back and delete the thing about me being afraid of cats 
I all fears it. are valid <laughs> all fears are I valid. want a fun fear like that um, but yeah no. Um, she said about the EpiPen and I was mm. like you carry an EpiPen in my head now I will say one thing about Ruth Ruth is um, one of the kindest most considerate people I've ever met Sorry. in my life <laughs> <laughs> like she has a strong Ashling side like she's great crack but like if you if you're hungover she will turn up at your door with a bottle of sparkling water and a selection of beige oh, foods and hug you. Perfect. You know, she's just a very, very kind person. And I just, I'm, you know, just one of these people you're like, God, I don't deserve her as a friend. Like I should Aww. bake her something. She's so nice, <laughs> you know. Um, so when she said to me, I carry an EpiPen, my first thought was, Jesus, that's actually, like, even for Ruth, that's so considered. She's just carrying this thing around instead of in case, in case, in case needs someone it. eats a peanut and needs it. Yes, I am Wonder Woman. I carry an EpiPen for other people. No. She also refers to it as her epic penis. And I thought it was an autocorrect when she wrote it. And I was like, what has she been talking about? My epic penis. I I think that fear of not reaching your potential is definitely one people would relate to a lot. But it seems like it's something that does cause you really heightened anxiety, which, I mean, is fair enough and probably does for a lot of people Mm. as well. It's probably a lot to do with the self-employed thing because if you're in a job where you have like a management structure or expectations or targets that are being set, then someone else is telling you, you're doing well, you need to do better. Whereas if you're doing it by yourself, then it's much harder. I've also heard as well, there's this thing called... Oh, what's... I think it's called like office hours or like a work day. (laughs) Heard of these. A lunch break. You start at a certain time and then you finish and go home or something. Like weekends. Like weekends. Something like that. weekends. And paid holidays. (laughs) Or just just being paid in general. (laughs) A payday would be great, wouldn't it? Oh my God. But yeah, so there is all that crap that goes with being self-employed. And also what you do is very subjective. So it can be hard... For, again, someone to go, what you've done is the best thing that you could ever do because you might think, oh, no, I don't, I don't think you're right. I don't feel that about this work that I've done. Yeah, you do have to keep going. And there is no one that will ever say that to you. Like, could you imagine? That'd be great. But you don't you get feedback. Know. You know, I... I t- you're a young woman. You never know. <laughs> that young anymore. <laughs> but you shoot a body of work, you send it off to your client and then you don't hear anything. And that's normal yeah. in our industry. And it's, yeah. it's probably like, in, you know, it's I suppose it is kind of... in being a grown-up that you yeah. don't get this pat on the back that you would like, exactly in yeah. other industries where they're like oh you did a great job no one says that the only reason I know people like the photographs is because they use them and then I end up seeing them on billboards I'm like oh they must have liked that yeah. then that's grand you know so you don't really get any of that so you're just like oh, I'm just going to keep going until someone tells me to stop so you just keep yeah. going yeah. I suppose I, th- I think that's a thing like if you are a driven person and a creative person you're never going to be entirely happy with the work that you've created you're always mm. going to be oh well like how can I improve that or I find I do this thing where at the time I um I'm like when I'm actually in the moment like sometimes I'll be kind of thinking oh this is going really terribly this is bad or I did a bad job with this and blah 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 and then once once you're out of it and I don't mean like out of it but like <laughs> once you're out of the situation and you look back on it you can kind of retros- retrospectively yeah. go oh well actually no I, that was th- I did yeah, quite I get a good that. job I get that on a lot. that yeah. I could do better next time but yeah you know. I think I need to switch things up and I think probably a lot of people who work doing what I do need to switch things up and instead of being driven out of a love for my job and a love to create something new and you know a love of taking people's portraits I'm driven out of fear of fucking up and that's 
that's wrong and mm-hmm. I need to fix that. So if anyone knows how to fix that mindset and uh, get like, so just completely change my life, please let me know. Oh have you read Aoife McElwain's book? Yeah, this is the other thing. I'm halfway through it because I don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> I keep plugging it. Um, this is the Slow at Work book. Slow yeah. at Work. I keep, I keep telling everybody to read it and I also am still only halfway oh, through. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. And I do think it is... Um, you know, after years and years of just this thing of having to say that, like, you're so busy and you're juggling all these things and you don't have a weekend and mm. all of this kind of stuff, like, oh, I'm so busy. Um, I do think that there is a kind of wider conversation happening at the moment around anxiety and workloads. And people are kind of putting their hands up and saying, you know, I'm actually a bit finding this a bit too much. And people are kind of forgiving themselves and letting themselves have a bit of time off. Yeah. But um, yes, Aoife is my friend, but that's not why I'm telling you to read her book. Um it's class it just really it, it kind of just it, it's almost like it gives you permission to slow down and not always be beating yourself up and what I haven't read the book yet it's uh, like you on my, it's, in the, it's literally in the pile beside my bed does it work for would it work for people who are in a traditional nine to five Monday to Friday kind of time frame as well um I think so I mean mm. I think there's certain books um the kind of transfer I'm just gonna t- I'm gonna try and remember the name oh okay I'm not going to be able to remember who wrote it but there's a book called don't get a job create a job mm. it's got a yellow cover and it was written for designers okay oh. um but i was in designists um and i was just getting getting a few presents for like kind of stocking fillers and stuff at christmas and i just saw the uh, yellow cover and i was like oh what's this and it said it was for graphic designers and it was really kind of had a beautiful cover and was laid out really nicely and i was like a feck it i'll try it and i read it and i was like that actually applies to any creative you know that kind of way or maybe just any job and it just was all these ideas and case studies of people how they kind of made their voice heard or stood out from the Mm. pile of cvs or whatever and it was really class um so i will i'll I'll look up the name of the author and i'll stick (laughs) it in at the end and but yeah i think it would like something like that it's it's never going to be a waste of your time to read it like you're going to take something from it yeah you know because i don't know do you girls do this like i find if i have i could have a week where I barely have time to sit down. I'm so busy. I have all these uh, projects that I'm really happy to be involved in. And then I have like the next Monday, I don't have anything in the diary and I will beat myself up so hard. It's like, you loser, what are you doing? Like, why don't you, why why, why have you got nothing on? What are yeah. you doing? You're those wasting your days, time. Those, those quiet days is when I do most damage to myself because I panic about not having anything booked in. Mm-hmm. Like the rare moment I don't have anything booked in. And then I go and st- start a project that's insane and I'll you know that's gonna a year is one that I'm doing it's gonna take a year but I, at any quiet point I then say yes to every job that's in my inbox because I'm like oh shit what if I can't pay rent and yeah. then you know then you're really messed up then instead of just sitting back and appreciating a moment's quiet and maybe doing stuff like my nails or doing the washing or doing something I found like as that. well I've been self-employed for just a year now I, I was working full-time up until a year ago and I find that I'm afraid people will think I'm lazy now I am incredibly lazy mm. but if I'm not doing anything or if I'm you know have a few days off where I don't have a lot going on I'm like oh am I just really really lazy am I wasting my life but uh, I could have spent yeah. the past 15 days working every day yeah and working hard to deadlines and whatever um, so I think it's the self-employed thing. And do it, you worry that people are going to find out you're lazy like by social media, by how much you post? Or how do you think they're going to think you're lazy? I, I just think it's your own mind I, going, uh, I have I'm the same lazy. thing. And I feel like if I'm if I take like a half an hour to just like 
lie around and listen to a podcast or to just chill or not to be doing anything I, I don't know I feel like 10 heads are going to poke in my window and go oh my god why are you doing and you are conditioned to think you should be working x number of hours a day and you're like Mm. i haven't done that many hours work today so i'm lazier than my friends who have been in an office from half eight to half five and they're complaining about their jobs and i'm like "Eh, i did four hours work today (laughs) the difference though is because at half five they stand up walk away and they don't think about their job for the rest but Mm. we go to the pub and have conversations about our job we never Network. We know we're constantly yeah. writing down ideas, checking, you know, even just going through someone else's, going through other people's Instagrams and stuff. That's still research yeah. for your own life, you know, yeah. for your own mm-hmm. job. So I've started turning everything into research. Yeah, it's all research. Yeah. It's all, I'm in Tesco's, it's research. Yeah. It's everything. Especially, I, I write a, a weekly column for the Sunday Business Post and it's kind of on whatever I want it to be. So I turn everything in. I'm like, I'm going to look at Twitter now for an hour because I might get inspiration from oh something. Oh my God, yeah. that's like my dream job. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play. That's Thanks. excellent. Getting yeah. yeah, getting paid to scroll Twitter. Amazing. Yeah. Um so I was supposed to be doing um invoicing this morning. Um so instead I fell into a massive internet hole um uh googling, you know, fear of potential. And I found this one um, interesting article. It was on Forbes.com, I think. And it's a, John, a guy called John Acuff. And he has written a New York Times bestselling book called Start, Punch Fear in the Face, Escape Average, and Do Work That Matters. Now, I should say I haven't read the book. And his website is something like Christians are the best. or okay. I don't know. So <laughs> I, I would, I'm not sure how legit this guy is but he does have an interesting theory that there are five steps over five decades of your life to stop fear preventing you from reaching potential so i have to do this over five decades (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i have time the first decade aged zero to ten eight year old ruth is going to be delighted with life i don't know this kind of gives hope for the future a little bit so his um, his theory is that the five steps are learning, editing, mastering, harvesting and guiding. So you spend your 20s. Uh, basically, I think what he's saying is so you're learning what you like, what you're good at. So you try everything, you do everything. You don't put that much pressure on yourself. You just kind of, you know, try all the different things. And sometimes, you know, people from a very young age go, I definitely want to do this. Sometimes yeah. it takes you a little while. But that's what you're kind of doing. By the time you get your to your thirties, according to this guy, um, you should be saying, "Okay, now I've tried this many things. Um, I like these ones, so I'm gonna probably like not put as much effort into the other and concentrate on this." Okay. So, but you're still kind of finding your feet. You and he says, "And now I just you know don't start sweating anybody who's still trying to figure it out and they're 55 or something. That's completely fine. I'm just telling you what this lad said." But forties, um, then he reckons is mastering. So it's like you found your groove, you found your Great. passion. Not till the forties, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so you spend that decade becoming an expert at whatever it is that you're passionate about. And I suppose you could say that this doesn't necessarily have to be your job. This could be you could just be really passionate about doing something as a hobby, and your job is just your job, whatever it is. Um, in the fifties, you are harvesting, you're reaping the rewards. Okay, so you put all of this work in, finally starting to pay off, you're making all this money. And then I really like this one in the 60s is for guiding. So you give back, so you mentor, you pass on the knowledge. This, all sounds lovely. this kind of thing, doesn't it? Yeah. But I kind of read it and thought, do you know what? That's actually 
sound because I think people like you talk to like everybody at every age thinks that they're too old. I think if they're the type of person that puts pressure, like you talk to a twenty-one year old, and they're like, oh "My God, I like I'm so old now, and I haven't I know, figured yeah. this out," you know. And I think that's everyone does that at every age. Yeah. I think they definitely do. Yeah. And you yeah. hear a 21 year old saying that and you're like, oh, you're just a baby. And it sounds so patronizing. When I was 21, I was like, oh, yeah, as well, though, especially in my industry, because Instagram is such a thing now that everyone's like, oh, have you seen that new 16 year old photographer that's working for Vogue? And you're like, shut oh. up. That has to be hard to see. There's loads of them. Like there's loads, and they're all you know. Unless you're a 16 year old photographer, nobody wants to know about you. So I'm delighted. I can't wait to hit 40 now because I'm going to be an expert. No one's going to care about me, but maybe then you know, (laughs) I'll be delighted with life. Yeah. Thanks, Claire. That made me feel so much better. Yeah, I kind of, no, but I read it and I kind of, you know, because it was, I was getting a bit anxious because obviously I was looking at all this stuff and there's a lot of bullshit as well yeah, on the internet yeah. about unlock your potential. There's a lot of kind of charlatans trying to sell you courses and different yeah. books and stuff. And like I said, I haven't read that dude's book and I probably won't because I haven't even, you know, finished the bio also, that's beside my bed. As you but, said a while ago, you can't measure a person's yeah. potential. I don't want to unlock my potential. Yeah. I just want to be made aware of what the actual limit is. So that when I get there I'll be like that's grand I can chill out now thanks you'll never chill out Ruth set your own limit <laughs> <Come on. laughs> set my own this is it now I'm, I'm drawing the line and set, this is as good as I'll ever get I can just breathe absolutely <sighs> right we're solving all of our own problems yes. all of the world's problems shall we do another gorilla problem solving one I wish it was a real gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, me too. Like the dream is to be I would love to tour this podcast around uh different festivals because I want to have it in a lovely setting on a Sunday afternoon and be like yeah. kick the fear in the face. Come and hang out at Fear Fun. Um but I would love an actual gorilla to come on stage, possibly playing the drums to Phil Collins in the air tonight yeah. and <laughs> you know, help solve the problems. Oh, that sounds doable. Maybe not a real gorilla, but a man in a gorilla suit. Absolutely. Woman, and he would have to be he would have to be wearing a repeal the eighth t shirt with a banana. I know some really hairy guys that'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um okay, so this one says, um my fear is that I will not have kids and then I'm in my forties or fifties and regret it. This is my I'm view. currently fine about not having them. That thank you for reading this out because yeah. this was my alternative fear I was gonna tell you about. Remember when I came in here I was like, oh, I've thought on another one. Mm-hmm. That's it. This person is just my oh my god you took that from my brain this is and it's not a fear that I've placed on myself it's because every woman I know that's older than me is like "Ah, you might change your mind when you're older or you just haven't met the right fella yet and I'm just like I've made a decision I don't want children but then a little bit like I'm 32 now I've just turned 32 so I'm like okay so technically I've got a few years left and this is all going on in my brain but even though I don't want to have children I'm still thinking the fear is still there what if I do regret it oh my god no yeah i think it's i think it's a wider like it is a wider societal pressure isn't it um like i'll give you an example i won't say your name but a friend of mine um she just never wanted kids same as myself Mm -hmm. love kids the three of us in the room were like no kids i adore (laughs) being an auntie like first put my hand up when my friend's want babysitters and like yeah. my best friend she's always like oh my god thanks so much you're doing me such a favour I'm like are you kidding you, yeah. like I get to hang out with two of my favourite little people there's nothing better great. than getting a little six yeah. month old baby and having a wee squish and be like oh you're uh, great like yeah. kids are amazing I but I like for me personally I yeah. know that I'm, I'm just too selfish I have too many things that I want to do and therefore wouldn't be a good mother yeah. because I'm not willing to yeah, you know, I think a good thing over. that the, the person that got in touch said was they're going to be afraid in their 40s and 50s that they didn't do it. But the kind of beauty is the wrong word of this predicament is 
it will be too late then. Yeah. So yeah. it's not something you can retroactively go, mm-hmm. actually, I'll fix this and I'll I'll have the kids. Like if you're still in your late 30s or into your 40s, which is probably when women mm. start, you know, stop yeah. having the ability to, ha- to have children, you've made your decision. I think yeah. it's just the fear of the regret. Yeah. I don't want to live my life with regret. I don't mm-hmm. want to be 50 and go, I wish I did I have, have done kids. It. Yeah. I should, you know, I miss it. I've missed out on something. When you see all your other friends that do have yeah. kids yeah. and you don't want to be a lonely old woman. You but know? you're not going to be a lonely old woman. This is the thing. And um, what I was going to say about my friend is she, like myself and yourself, um, has never just never wanted to have kids. And mm. she has made that decision and she was completely fine with it. And and then she was feeling unwell, didn't know what was going on. And they finally figured out that it was early onset menopause. Oh. Um, so she went through her um, early menopause, but she got really upset about it. She's like, I know this is really irrational, but and I know it was my decision. But now that the decision has been taken away from me and it's a definite, I feel a bit weird about it. Mm. And, you know, I was like, but would you if, if you could still have a child, would you have one? She's like, oh, God, no. But it's just that it was kind of taken away from her. Yeah, I totally. That she kind of felt that like outside pressure. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, you know, you want to have options, but at the same time, like, yeah, trust her gut though. Trust her her main because that's hormones as well Mm. playing with her at that time. There's so much going on with her body. If I think about this issue too much, uh, it gives like I get very into my head and I'm like get very kind of panicked about it because I'm like Mm -hmm. but you know I am a woman and you know my body is capable of bearing children so should I just be doing it like am I going against nature nature by not doing it but as well there is certain times in the month where I feel broody and I have to recognise that broodiness as hormones and go no you don't want kids the rest of the month you're grand with this stop getting emotional absolutely it's a funny one like I think as well the other thing to remember for this person for anyone mm. else that's kind of listening that has the same thoughts um, there's a lot of kids babies kids of all ages in the Irish system that are um, looking to be adopted looking yeah. to be fostered, fostered like yeah. I always mm. said like I always said in my head that when it, it, like I, I don't want my own kids but um, when I was older and somehow had made money and bought yeah. a house and had a bit of <laughs> land or whatever that I would definitely consider fostering, fostering like if yeah, I had yeah. the space and I had the time to devote yeah. to it I would love to have a house full oh, yeah. of like, like even though when you when you are yeah. in your 40s and 50s and as I said like maybe the biological the natural biological process is going to let you down there but if you really really want to do something along those lines you'll figure it out yeah yeah and I think as well because I mean like look at us as three women here and we none of us want to have kids and I think for my mom's generation so many people just went down the route of having children that it just became the norm so that the odd woman not odd in a weird sense but like (laughs) the minority of women that didn't they were quite alone you know what I mean and it's like poor Mrs O'Connor across the road from my parents who died alone with no kids and my my father likes to point it out all the time she's like you're you're gonna end up like Mrs O'Connor but I think our generation there is so many of us that are choosing not to have children that we're not gonna be alone our 50s are gonna be gas crack we're all gonna look what are we going to be doing yeah. according to that man? Reaping or reaping, reaping the benefit. Celebrating, yeah. punching <laughs> the other thing is face. as well, like I, th- I hate that argument of, you know, oh, you'll be lonely. Like you can't mm. have kids um, because you want them to look after you yeah. when you're old. Oh, you know? so yeah. I don't have kids now and I'm not lonely. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we are that age, you know, and we, we don't have the ability to have children anymore, we're still going to be having great crack. We're still yeah. going to be coming in here and doing podcasts like this because we don't have kids yeah. to mind. I feel very lucky. One of my really good friends and she's slightly older than me and she made the decision 
long time ago she didn't want to have children and I feel like she's kind of blazed a trail for me in our kind of wider group of friends because she's answered all the questions and she's done all the arguments yeah. so I, yeah it's a funny one as well though because I think for our parents generation how awful would it have been for women or for couples that just couldn't conceive and really wanted yeah. to because they would have felt so othered you know whereas yeah. now you know I, and I always I feel kind of bad discussing it as well because sometimes people they desperately want to have kids and yeah. they're looking at you kind of going you bitch like yeah you, you, you can you, you can do yeah. something that I want so much and I can't do it and like fuck you why aren't you I you know, know that kind of yeah. way so I think because there is more choice now that like people don't feel as, as, I, I, as yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. that they they don't feel as left out even though it's still like a heartbreaking situation for them to be yeah. in yeah we'll still all have brunch together right definitely we'll still all have brunch <laughs> together <laughs> um one more oh god okay this is very awkward Ooh. but also relatable um i'm not sure if this person is male or female but i guess it kind of doesn't matter it says i've become friendly with the fella in work we're not best pals or anything but we like the same music and have some friends in common so would go to gigs and hang out a bit outside work now for the awkward bit sometimes he has bad bo mm. not just out of gigs where it's sweaty but in the day as well should i tell him hmm. oh, this is such a that's a really tricky one really work together um this person has made a point of saying look we're not best mates it's not like super mm. close but at the same time you'd want someone to tell you or you, would you I oh, don't know like, you know this you would like I'm always uh, yeah. terrified I have bad breath so I'm always saying to my boyfriend tell me if I have bad breath yeah, tell, yeah. Me, tell me but that's because that's him like I think some people I think you'd know if you had B.O. if you were one of but those I've, people but I don't, oh, I don't know I don't you? think you will Yeah, I don't. it's like really? people, people who do have bad breath like I mean we all know people that are like have mm. a bit of bad breath and it's they don't know, obviously, yeah. or they would go to the dentist and yeah, you know, it get it thing? sorted. But like the bo thing, like, is it just that that person is not clean, or maybe it's maybe it's the other end? Maybe they are super clean, but they just have a sweat problem, or they just use a bad deodorant. Yeah, yeah. they're not all the same. Like some yeah, are better than. There's probably a lot of different scenarios that could lead to somebody having having a bo problem or something that's considered a bo problem. But this person is asking, should they tell? The workmate. Yeah. The workmate could know. If it is yeah. a medical condition that they suffer with excessive sweat or something, and maybe they do use the strongest deodorant, and, mm. and then you're just making that person feel bad. Like. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, I guess it comes down to how much of an impact is it having on your life? Yeah, because you're only just telling them. Or is it more of a concern? Yeah, I, I don't want this person going around and having strangers going, I, oh, this person Yeah, stinks. I think like the, the way that I could be wrong now, but the way that I'm reading it is that you know he's mentioned that they work together it's in the day as well maybe he kind of they don't want them they, to be embarrassed they don't want them to be embarrassed but also don't want to be embarrassed and so tell them it's out of kindness then. it's out of kindness I think so yeah as opposed I think to if it was the somebody, smell bothering if it was him. somebody that I was friendly enough with that I was going to gigs with and something I think after a certain amount of time you would have to try and find a way to tell them or maybe invoke if there was like a HR person or yeah. somebody who's who's kind in work and whose kind of job it is to, to Oh, that could be an idea. So maybe send a like have a general email sent around. Yeah, or I, I have a friend who works in HR and she said that she it is part of her job sometimes she works in a large company it's okay. part of her job sometimes to bring somebody into the office and say, So there's a personal hygiene issue here and um this is the, the number of ways you can address it and I'm very happy to help you do that and have a nice day. 
that's why you have HR departments yeah. okay that's actually because in my head I was like send an email around but then immediately thought no that'd be crap because everyone would know yeah. who the You're email was about it. and then it's just making it yeah yeah worse. see HR yeah. will only work in a big company yeah. if it's like you know an office of five people yeah <laughs> you can't get away with that now yeah. like yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's really difficult. difficult. And it depends on the kind of person it is. Like, is it someone you could send, like, a link to kind of a general, you know, website that's, that sells, <laughs> you know, boots and go, oh, there's a special yeah. offer on this. Chris yeah. Or buy them a present of some scented yeah. goods. Ma- yeah, that's all, that's always, do you ever get a present of, like, washy stuff? Washy <laughs> stuff. And you're then you're to just tell like, me something. oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, so I suppose, yeah, it, that's a really good point about the H- HR if it's, if it's a larger country, uh, country. If it's a larger company, but I don't know. I don't think I would say it. No. Mm. Maybe if it was somebody you didn't know that well, and it was just impacting on your general environment. You'd be like, "Oh, it stinks here. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, report yeah. this person." I don't know. Like, I, re- I think, like, I remember what this is going back to primary school now. But there was like a girl in my class, and it was like I think we were in, like fourth class or something. So it was just at that age that like maybe you started you wearing started deodorant. Deod- wearing deodorant, and she hadn't for whatever reason, and. A teacher at lunchtime walked into the class and kind of went, oh, girls, a bit smelly in here, isn't it? It's a bit of a, oh, kind of sniffed. Oh, a bit of a BO smell now. You know, people, you're at the ages now that you'd want to be using as young to maybe talk to you. And she kind of said it in a very, very general way. And I guess the girl got the message. Talked to her. And the way she was very, like looking back, like I'd say there was a very big, conversation about how to do it kindly yeah, rather yeah. than singling the poor girl out it's a good way to do um, it but it was a very ge- it was done in a very general way and then that was sure enough like the like it wasn't happening anymore so maybe I guess she was on, how old are you like 10 and 4 mm. that's something maybe she was just at the age where she was like embarrassed to say to her parents I need to get a deal yeah, now yeah. or whatever so it's yeah. never occurred to her maybe yeah yeah <sighs> don't want to be in the, that person's shoes. I know, it's a really tricky one. I'd just wait, go to the next gig with them when you're really locked after being in the mosh pit and just kind of go, Jesus, we all stink, what do you Actually, do that's you not here? a bad idea. Wait till they're at a sweaty gig and then go, whoa, you really enjoyed that, didn't you? You know, maybe stick Stinky. on a bit of deodorant like, as kind of almost a joke. A joke and yeah. don't let anyone else hear it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that could work. God, <laughs> we're, also, yeah. we're also Irish here. <laughs> we can't just... Dance um, around the issue and then make a joke. Dance around the issue, whatever <laughs> happens. Happens, don't say it in a straight up way and don't yeah absolutely um, so so if you would like to get involved with guerrilla problem solving like i said completely anonymous completely confidential you can email fearfunpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best um so ruth can we talk a little bit about the project 365 that you are undertaking at the moment yeah it's a stupid idea really. it's not a stupid <laughs> idea it's i'm wonderful. aware of this and it sounds amazing thanks taken over my life so yeah this was when in one of my chilled casual downtime moments um i was chatting with my assistant at the time who had done a 365 project about food and uh i was like that sounds like a really good challenge you know it'll like test my creativity so i I made a big public announcement going this is what i'm gonna do in 2018 i'm gonna take a portrait a new creative portrait of a different person every day in 2018 so yeah first of january came it was about eight o'clock on first of january and i was like crap i haven't done my portrait yet so that's just set the tone for how crap i am with this whole thing but it's okay i'm getting there it's a massive undertaking claire's been in it i have been in it does it have to be 
different person every day. <laughs> you know, I did start out with all these rules that I had to post it on the day and that mm. I had to be a different person. And then it was too much pressure. It was bananas. So yeah. now I've kind of said, I don't have to take one every day. There's days, you know, when I want to just sit yes. in my pajamas and exactly. not talk to anyone. Yeah. yeah. So I do that. And then the next day I'll do two portraits. And then, um, no, it doesn't have to be a different person because there is people in my life that I will see more of over exactly, that year, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, I do, but it'll be a different portrait of that person depending on me and my mood and how how my style has changed throughout the year. Yeah. So you're aiming for 365 by the end of the year. 365 portraits by the end of the year. Any <laughs> self-portraits? I've done a couple of self-portraits. One of the snow days. Oh, lovely. Nobody would come meet me. Nobody at all. So I went out myself, set the camera up on a tripod and did myself as, as a bear. As a bear. <laughs> Ruth Medge bear. Get it? <laughs> yay, yay. Um, so, I mean, you're being very hard on yourself there. You're like, oh, it's stupid. No, it's this, that and the <laughs> other. But you have have a hashtag that you use all the time on your Instagram create art not content make art not content make yeah. art not content sorry yeah. so, um but this is this for me this is what the project is about like mm. when I'm doing my I was gonna say daily scroll of Instagram but I mean obviously it's like early times yeah. a day or whatever <laughs> but whenever I, like it is one of the things that I look for and it's not just mm. the image because the images are always really beautiful but it's the stories that go with them mm, I do like you telling know? an old story and Lovely. this is and you're very good at it thanks I'm no writer now in fairness like but I well, just well I would disagree no. I think that the stories that you put and you're so passionate and you really um you know you get into things you don't just I'm just really grateful of the people that take the time out of their day to come and meet me and pose for me and then they tell me their story and all I'm doing is giving my interpretation of that person so I've had a lot of volunteers for the project you know I have a Google Doc that people are welcome to sign up to and um, at the moment there's like 470 people that have signed up I remember when you launched it and I saw it on Twitter and I was like oh I I don't really know her I've only met her once or twice maybe I'll do it loads (laughs) of strangers in the doc and um, you know I only asked one question in that form and it's what it what is it about you that would make your portrait unique and then I say feel free to leave this blank or you know it's part of my job to find that out and so I only really ask one question about that person so majority of these people are strangers and some of the responses are just so heartwarming people are being so open and honest with me you know some people are battling cancer some people are really sad about the loss of a child you know there's some really deep stories so the, the best way that I can fairly represent that person is by taking an honest portrait of them something that's creative that's unique and that matches that person's personality but also then like telling their story a little bit because it's it's all well and good putting up a picture of someone but if you don't know who that person is then it kind of falls a bit flat so yeah I'll try my best to tell Mm. tell that person's story I'm actually Emer. I'm actually trying to bully Ruth into making a book out of the project. I was just the going moment. to say, this, see, this I told has, you, <laughs> this has book and exhibition written all over it. It does, yeah. But I don't have time, girls. I'm dying here. I'm dying. Claire, you're welcome to take on this project if you want to put a book out. Hey, you've done the work. Just all you need to do is find no, a I've done it. To, I've to done like a fraction of the work. Oh, yeah, That's not there. By the end of this year, it's all going to be there. It's all going to be there. Um, I want to actually ask you, Ruth, as a business owner. Mm. You do something that's very brave. Taxes. 
Uh, taxes. taxes is one of my fears <laughs> I mean for all of us um but you do something and that is you were very very honest and you're also very vocal online about things that you were passionate about um including repealing the eighth amendment mm. and things like that so does that feel scary as a business owner knowing that you could potentially lose clients or alienate people a hundred percent it used to scare the crap out of me like I was always very um like I started my career very afraid of what people thought of me. So I started the the term ruthless imagery came about because I didn't want people to know my gender and I didn't want people to know my heritage. It's because my surname Medjber is very Arabic and um and back when I started this business there was this whole you know people only worked with Irish people and they were very afraid of non-national photographers. So I, I wanted to disguise everything because I thought I'd lose jobs. And I was losing jobs. I was losing jobs because of my gender. So my gender just got taken off my webpage and I just went. And now that my work is at a level that I'm that I you know, I'm I'm good enough to be hired on the merit of my work, I've brought my gender and, and my national or my heritage back into it, which is fine. But the stuff like repeal, um yeah, so I would have been very cautious maybe six or seven years ago about uh, being vocal about that kind of stuff because I didn't want to be insensitive to, to other people's views. Now, I think, especially with the 365 project, I think I'm quite sensitive about other people's views while still being vocal about my own. I, st- I still think I can have my own standpoint. Point. So, I mean, in the project, I've I've met with pro-life people. I've met with catholics who are pro-choice i've met with you know a cross section of everybody just so that everyone has a a platform and so i can understand other people's views but no one has managed to change my mind about my own point of view i haven't lost any jobs i think people respond to the fact that i am very passionate sometimes stubborn Uh, but i'm never i try not to be aggressive i just you know instagram stories i'm like you're both on them you just you're just I just talk as if there's no one listening. (laughs) Normally there's not. (laughs) And I just get into it. And it's always just about my line of work. People can be quite sexist without knowing it. So I get on and I vent and I, I talk to the other photographers that are, that are watching. And I open up the eyes of the other male photographers that are like, I had no idea that this existed. And then the other female photographers are like junior photographers who are starting out. They're like, I'm so glad you're saying this because I've dealt with this mm. and it's nasty and I've got over it. And it's the same thing with repealing the eighth as well. If I can change people's minds, grand. If not, I'm just going to keep doing it anyway. Like, and if I lose a job along the way, wasn't meant for me anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I kind of feel the same. Like you know, it it is scary kind of putting putting yourself out there and kind of particularly for things you know putting stuff online. Definitely, because yeah. there are trolls out there and stuff. But I think for me, um, the issue it's just so important. I couldn't live with myself yeah, no. if it yeah. didn't get repealed and I actually was I was only saying this morning uh, Sarah who's my co-author had um, someone from a pro-life canvassing effort come to her house last night and try and change her mind and it's I, I haven't been out canvassing for the repeal the eighth movement but I would like to and I feel mm. like I should be doing it but um, w- like one of their core principles is you can't change someone's mind who is definitely on one side or the other so the fact that this woman was trying, trying. to change Sarah and Sarah was like I, like I am pro-choice 100% mm-hmm. you're not going to change my mind um, but yeah I feel bad that I'm not out canvassing and out offering an alternative opinion to that yeah. woman and you know should be doing it mm-hmm. you, can, you can you can sign up and you can go to training like in I'm in Dublin <clears throat> North 
Dublin Dublin Bay North and um, so the, like the first meeting I'm going to go to is next Monday and it's in the Donny Kearney Community Centre and as, f- as far as I know it's pretty easy it's very chilled you get trained yeah. you, you get a buddy to go along with who's an experienced canvasser yeah. so I'm going to try I think I'm going to do it yeah. and it, it's, a yeah. fear. it's a fear it's a fear of A saying something wrong yeah. and, and, and like turning someone against the pro-choice you're not, movement you're not or, you know, going I think to they know I, everyone all the trainers and everything are very well aware of what we're afraid of um, mm. and as well they'll give you all the backup and support that you need and your buddy beside you will, will make sure that you don't yeah. mess things up massively yeah. like so yeah. no, I haven't done it for repeal yet mm. also on my, I need to find out where my local one is mm. but for yes equality I did and what they told us when we went for the training is it's not your like you if you got a hardline no voter mm. you just say okay it's not your job it's not your job minds, if they're yeah. yes obviously just high five them move on but it's the people that are on the fence yeah. the reason that you canvas is for the people who are they haven't really made the their undecided mind. Yeah. yeah and I mean there are people like a friend of mine um just a guy that I in my circus school that I train with um was asking me about it last night he saw I had badges on my jacket and he was like I don't understand like you can't just take can you take a piece of law out of the law but it's the law and I explained no this was something that was actually put in mm-hmm. and he said so where abortions legal before and I was like no it's like abortion is actually just a small piece of it and yeah. I kind of like you know just had a chat with, with him a little bit about it and he was like oh okay you know and he was genuinely asking but I think it was just he was just yeah, he, so oblivious, he'd yeah. never thought of it it hadn't occurred to him you know and those are the people that um will sway they the vote I think yeah. because if you're on one side or the other you're not going to yeah. change this your is mind. it like I mean I I went I was working at Chris Rock concert <laughs> randomly <laughs> and uh, in MCD and uh, I was I was backstage and I was wearing my repeal um jumper and the lovely guys that work backstage there they're like in their 50s they're kind of like salt of the air dubs kind of stuff and they were like what's all this repeal nonsense and I was like oh you know we're looking to repeal the 8th amendment blah, blah. and he's just like nah 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 can't be dealing with that should a hospitals be full of women having abortions like oh and gosh. how long it takes you you'll be in the hospitals for but it, it, it was a misconception with yeah. him and his mates there that it's surgical you know that the, and I was like no 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 no. you just take a pill blah 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 it's yeah. a doctor's thing You'd be, and he's like oh I didn't think that. I thought like they would be like in there murdering the babies and this he goes that's grand why didn't anyone tell me this Why? D- and I that's know. all he wanted to know they just he yeah. wanted more information so and when I came away from that Chris Rock gig and I you know explained it to, change to three mind. people I can like, I just say for anybody listening who I, is on the fence just just put 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 everything aside for one minute and just listen to what I have to say. Do you honestly, honestly think that women who have access to all the contraception in the world, all the wide variety of contraception that is available in Ireland, do you honestly think we're not going to take it and just spend thousands on uh, an invasive operation and put our bodies through stress and our emotions and our um, everything through stress just go and get a casual abortion Mm. abortion is not people are abortion on demand i think the kind of it sounds like women are just going to go riding rings around the place and just get abortions once a month nobody wants to have an abortion and there's lots of different reasons why you would have one but it's something and it's you know it happens 12 women a day Mm. going to the uk 
all you're doing is making it more stressful and more expensive and worse than it needs to be no one is gonna do it now if they wouldn't have had to do it with the eighth in place there is no such thing there's no option there's no abortion we're never there's Ireland at the moment has abortion we just have illegal abortions yeah. so yeah. all we're doing is going to legalise and make something safer for the women who are already accessing it because yeah. today we don't know how many women are actually buying in pills and having a medical abortion you know a pill abortion yeah. mm-hmm. there's so many women that are you know in their bathroom you crying can't afford it. you can't their, afford to yeah, yeah. rather than like 70 euro you get it chipped into you and you have an abortion at home and you're alone and you're isolated mm. and you're crying and you've no one to turn to so I want to stop that and that, that's what people want to yeah, do you yeah. just want to make it safer for women yeah. I, don't, I didn't realise as well um, it was only I was reading about it there's a Facebook group actually it's heartbreaking it's a really difficult read but I think it's worthwhile particularly if you haven't made up your mind because there's all sides and all different experiences it's called In Her Shoes mm. oh yeah I know so it's yeah. women talking about their experiences I didn't realise that it's actually excruciatingly painful to have a medical abortion mm-hmm. so if you think there's people like you said buying in these pills taking them at home in agony yeah. no medical yeah. supervision there's no, so that's dangerous the there's no medical supervision and as well as that if you're if you're at home or you're with your boyfriend your boyfriend's holding your hand or whatever doesn't matter what situation you're in if you're taking that pill you're alone having that mm-hmm. and you can't you're terrified then if you're bleeding too much it's not to get graphic but it is a graphic if you're bleeding too much and the pain is too much you're terrified about ringing an ambulance because what you've done is against the law. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. all you hear in your head is 14 years. 14 mm-hmm. years I'm going to get not for this. And it's not as easy to just go, well, a healthcare professional is going to look after no. me no matter what. Those not groups, doctors for life, doctors yeah. who are pro-life. You never know and they're entitled to their opinion yeah. but you don't know yeah. who you're going to and get. Like, and the little package that comes with the pill says nothing and it says like, if you need to go to the hospital, tell them you've had a miscarriage. Mm. They won't be able to detect these pills. Oh my goodness. And you're reading that going... Is it time? Do I need to go to the hospital? Mm. Is, is you know you're Very terrified. Tough. So let's mm. just get rid of those awful, awful situations that yeah. is happening yeah. right now. And it's not just happening to like, oh, little hipster girls in Dublin who have been out on you know gone to wherever they've been last night. This is happening to like fifty four percent of all abortions are to women that already have children. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? This is yeah. it's mothers, you know, it's sisters, yeah. it's it's everyone in this it's people that you know. It's it's not a back alley situation. These aren't terrible like moralless women. These are actual women that you know in your day to day life. And if you just start having a conversation with, with women, you'll understand a lot more yeah. that this is a, it's something that affects a lot of people. Yeah. And it's just it is just a thing of it's it like you said it's already happening and just what really brought that home for me there was one uh, woman shared her story on that in her shoes mm-hmm. thing and um, she was in an awful abusive relationship mm-hmm. and um, she didn't have the money to go to England and um, she confided in a friend who I'm not going to give medical advice out but basically. It wasn't an abortion pill, but she took this expired medication. Oh, she had to take a whole heap yeah. of it too. And like that excruciating pain, she doesn't know she's messed up her reproductive system long term, all of these terrible yeah. things. And it's a personal, private choice for each woman to yeah. make. It is not up to anyone else to make the choice for her. So, <sighs> exactly. Well, listen, on that <laughs> cheerful but very important and wonderful yes. note, Emer McLysis, Ruth Medjbert, thank you so much thank for joining us. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. And um, repeal the 8th, everybody. Repeal the 8th! <laughs>
So I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, two absolute legends. I love those women so much. So talented, so inspiring and so incredibly sound as well. Um, so a couple of things. If you enjoy the podcast or are enjoying the podcast and would like to hear more, um, there are previous episodes up online. Um, you can go to headstuff.org or whatever your chosen podcast platform is. If you subscribe, that would be fantastic. Headstuff would think I'm cool. And um, you get to um, just get the new episodes when they come out every two weeks. Um, also, if you're feeling extra sound, you can leave a five-star rating. That would be class. And you can even write a little review as well. Um, so yeah, going to be back in another couple of weeks. We have some cool guests lined up. So um, yeah, keep listening. Keep telling all your mates to listen. And um, I'll talk to you soon. You should lock it up. For the word fear is funk. Now try spell funk without using funk. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.